Fantastic Four, featuring the thing, Mr. Fantastic, Human Torch, Invisible Girl, together for the first time in one mighty magazine. Brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and with me, as always, is my co-host Brian Hughes. And we also hey. have. Oh, sorry. I don't get to say hey or anything. No. Wait, what the hell is finished. this? Okay. Uh, we have a couple special guests with us today. We have the Batman and Robin of Back to the Bends, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. I'm Take really hope... us, who are the special guests. <laughs> I really special hope guests. I'm not Robin. <laughs> I ain't wearing no short shorts. Well, that's, that's, you have to decide that much. Nobody yourself. wants to see me in that. <laughs> I'd rather see you than me. I'll get the adult Robin costume. All right, I'll settle for that. I want to be Nightwing. Well, then you got to be the George Perez Nightwing with the, uh, the, the open chest. Oh, I got a hairy chest still. It's a little gray. <laughs> yeah, but what about the hair? That just I got hair. Sexy. I still got <laughs> hair. My hair goes from let me see. My yeah, neck, but I, all I, the I way mean, down. I'm talking about the color. Your chest is gray. <laughs> Ish. There's some dark in there. Hey, I, I got to ask you, your avatar in uh, Skype is that Avery Schreiber or Welcome Back Cotter? Avery Schreiber. No, that's the <laughs> alien guy. What's wrong with you? Oh, okay. It's not aliens. It's that's not Alex Treasure or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> more like it's time to make the donuts. Amy <laughs> Shriver wasn't the time to make the donuts guy. I know. He was a Doritos guy, wasn't he? Uh, he, I, he might have so, been. Was he the Frito he, Bandito? Uh, he, he was also in Caveman with uh, Dennis Quaid and Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. John Matusak and Catherine Bach and Shelley Long. and I know way too many people that are in the movie <laughs> Caveman. That's a great seen film. seen it way too many Atuka Lunda Landa. Sorry. Oh my. I've never seen it. I need to watch oh, it. Oh, you what? need to watch it. You need to watch what? it. What? Oh quiet my now. god. It's, uh... Paul, put that on Is It Jaws. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, so Brian, what are we doing today, Brain? Well, Brian, you want to give us a little lowdown on what this is. Uh, if, you're, if you're just tuning in, this is kind of a companion piece to Back to the Bends because we're covering two annuals that kind of bookend mirror each other intersect uh, intersect complement each other uh the yin to their yang uh you want to tell us what we're gonna be talking about brian 
Yeah, it's a little bit of stern and burn here. Uh, so on Back to the Binge, which probably has already dropped, uh, you got to see Third Degree Burn and the Bingers cover the double-sized annual uh, Avengers Annual 14, The War to End All Scrolls, just starting the Fantastic Four. This time... We're covering the Fantastic Four's double-sized annual guest starring the Avengers, The War to End All Scrolls, from, what is that, November of 1985. Now, the particulars on this book is, of course, it was Fantastic Four annual number 19, uh, published by Marvel, cover date 1985, on sale date August 6, 1985. So it actually came out a week after that Avengers issue. It had a cover price of $1.25, a page count of 48, and it was written and penciled by John L. Byrne, inked for this one by Jolton Joe Sinat, lettered by James R. Novak, colored by Glynis Wine, Nee Oliver, and edited by Mike Carlin, editor-in-chief, The Whim of Iron, Jim Shooter. And the cover credits are Carrie Gamble and Joe Sinat. Which, of course, the cover is almost like a reverse image of the Avengers one. This time you see the She-Hulk bursting in with the Fantastic Four in tow and the Avengers uh, facing them as they're battling uh, the Scrolls. Though it's not as obvious in this cover that the Scrolls are, are part of this. You have to look very hard to see them. What do you guys think? Yeah, they definitely don't stand out. If you're not taking a careful look at this, you're not going to see the scrolls at all. Mm. Yeah, but the Avengers are much more prominent in this than the Fantastic Four was in their cover. Yeah, this mm. is true. This is true. Maybe a, a sales point option or something. Maybe maybe the, he did the uh, Avengers one first, and they told him when you do this one, you need to make the Avengers more prominent. I don't know. That would make sense. Yeah. If, if you know that, all right, we're gonna we're gonna use the first one you did. We're not rejecting it, but on the second one, make it a little bit more, uh, you know, show the crossover a little bit more clearly. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at uh, this one, of course, is dated or came out August of '85. For that month, there was he was actually pretty busy. Of course, he had Alpha Flight number twenty-five, and the Graves give up their dead, where he wrote and did the art on that one. And inking. I believe he did the ink. Maybe Bob Wyatt was doing inking there. Um, Amazing Heroes, uh, number 76, he did some cover inks over uh, Mike Mignola's art. And then in Captain America, number 308, the body in question, it was a cover with the armadillo on there. And I believe it was a Secret Wars 2 um, crossover. But armadillo. he just did the cover was, art. Was there. it the Christmas armadillo? No, no, that's a holiday armadillo. Holiday armadillo, my mistake. Holiday armadillo, yeah. <laughs> to tell the story of the Maccabees. Everybody loves them. Ho, ho, ho. Okay. Um, let's see. And then Epic Illustrated number 31 had the sixth chapter of the last Galactus story, The Hidden Star, a story and art all by John Byrne. And then, of course, Fantastic Four number 281 with Malice Towards All. And that, I believe, was uh, story and art by Byrne and Jerry Ordway doing the inks. Uh, Iron Man 197, uh, he did the cover. It was a big cover shot of Rhodey in the Iron Man armor firing off his repulsors. And then a big surprise to me, uh, Judge Dredd's Crime Files, number one, uh, Byrne did the pencils in that issue. 
for uh, for a Judge Dredd story. I wasn't aware of this one at all. Yeah, I know he did some Judge Dredd, but I don't have any issues. Right. Then uh, Rawhide Kid number one, the Living Legend. He did the cover on that, and Web of Spider Man number five, the Enemy Within, with a nice uh, Doc Ock cover. He was busy. So he was real busy. So that's a uh, that's a good body of work for them. Um, and let me see. I've got the synopsis. And I pulled the synopsis from the Marvel Wiki. It's a little bit more long-winded than the one uh, Bill had for the Avengers. Yeah, so, like uh, five extra paragraphs. <laughs> I know. I'm, let me take a drink real quick here and uh, get my breath uh, in line because it's a long, long read. It's it's interesting on how the wiki is. Some will have no synopsis and some will have one that's five pages. So it's just. Well, I mean, it's just because you know people go in and can edit this stuff all yeah. the time, and different people come in and do it. You know, Fantastic Four. I don't know if uh, Fantastic Four Avengers had a larger readership back at this time. Of course, I think what Roger Sturm was doing, all the writing on the regular Avengers series then, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they had a good readership there. But I don't, I don't know which one sold better. So uh, maybe a listener might have an idea. I know uh, David Thompson might actually be able to tell us uh, that if he uh, if he decides to listen to this one. He, he may not, though. He might feel snubbed. But... <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to the synopsis for Summon from the Stars. An alien ship crash lands in the waters outside New York City. Its sole occupant emerges in the New York City docks and approaches a homeless man. The man is frightened by the alien spacesuit and flees. When a car almost runs over the alien, a force field protects it, damaging the car and sending the occupants fleeing for help. Suddenly, the police arrive, and when they order the aliens to stand down, it uses its power to uproot the ground and create a massive green robot. When one of the officers shoots at the robot, it multiplies every time a bullet hits it. One of the officers on the scene recognizes the way the robot looks and orders the other officers to stand down while he places a call to the only people who can help. The phone call reaches Avengers Mansion, where the Fantastic Four have been staying since the destruction of their headquarters. When the call is answered by Jarvis, the Fantastic Flare is shot into the night sky. Not far away, Johnny Storm is on his date with Alicia Masters, and he's trying to muster up the courage to ask her to marry him, when he suddenly is informed of the flare by one of the staff. With no other choice, Johnny flames on and flies towards the Avengers Mansion. On the way, he runs into the rest of them, the rest of the team, and is filled in on what's going along the way to the docks. When the Fantastic Four arrive, Reed approaches the alien along uh, approaches the alien, gently talking to it. When the alien being calls up an image of Reed in his old costume, it confirms Reed's suspicion. The alien unmasked, revealing itself as a creature the FF once called the Infant Terrible. When they ask the alien what it is doing back on Earth, it calls up images that shows the scrolls coming to the world and trying to exploit the reality-altering powers of his race. Unfamiliar with war, the aliens use their powers to amuse themselves, angering the scrolls. Scrolls then begin to lay waste to the planet. The Infant Terrible's family then spirited away in a ship to Earth to get the help of the Fantastic Four. Reed tells the group that the Infant Terrible's homeworld is located in the Andromeda Galaxy, home of the once great Skrull Empire. Reed then explains that the Skrulls have been in a state of civil war ever since Galactus consumed the Skrull throne world. Agreeing to help, Fantastic Four recover the alien ship to go to space. Light years away, an obese scroll woman with aspirations to rule the Empire asks her minions what is taking so long to finish 
the plans to destroy the Fantastic Four. When they detect the alien ship approaching, she orders her men to get into place. They rush outside using their shape-shifting powers to disguise themselves as members of the Infant Terrible's race. When the ship lands, the parents of the Infant Terrible inform the Fantastic Four that they are to meet the Council of Elders. When Reed Richards suddenly disagrees and tries to rush the aliens, they blow their cover and blast Reed, who turns out to be a scroll as well. As Fantastic Four battle the scrolls outside, the real Reed Richards, inside the phony Infant Terrible's armor, gets a drop on the scrolls' corpulent leader. Reed explains he's easily deduced the ruse and then hypnotizes the scroll, leading them into a trap to assume his form so they could spring a trap of their own. Defeated, the female scroll tells Reed the race is doomed as well. Investigating this, the Fantastic Four take the scroll attacker's prisoner and commandeer the ship. They take it out to a long-abandoned scroll satellite that was once used to power the Super Scroll. Forcing their way inside the satellite, they find a dying scroll named Mim, excuse me, Mern, who tells him his colleague, Zabik, intends to detonate a hyperwave bomb to decimate the scroll empire. Needing to stop this weapon, the Fantastic Four rip their way into the next room where they cross paths with the Avengers. <laughs> Almost coming to blows out of suspicion of a scroll trick, the two groups confirm their identities and a fight is avoided. Suddenly, Zabek contacts them, telling them that it's too late to stop him from activating the hyperwave bomb. Zabek explains that the bomb will strip skulls, Skrulls of their ability to shapeshift, and only he will retain the ability thanks to the protective suit of armor he's wearing. When Captain Marvel tries to intervene by passing through the computers electronically, she's called back by Captain America. With no opposition to stop him, Zabek activates the hyperwave bomb and it goes off, causing all scrolls gathered to begin to glow and to be stuck in their current form, no longer able to shapeshift. To his horror, Zabek realizes his armor shielding was not enough to keep out the energies of the bomb, trapping him inside his specially constructed suit. With the conflict over, the scrolls gathered, the scrolls gathered are left to wonder where their society will go next. Soon the Fantastic Four are flying home, where Reed expresses his hopes that the Skrulls can finally become a race for peace. The end. <sighs> okay, somebody else talk, because I'm out of breath. That was, uh, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was a mouthful, wasn't it? Yes, holy And, and, what's, and what's funny is there seemed, there seemed to be less going on in this book than there was in the Avengers book. There seemed to be more story in that one, and there was less synopsis. <clears throat> from the wiki than this because uh this is kind of a, a big setup to just it feels a lot like this is a setup just to get them on the same asteroid with the avengers so they can have the team up but this one to me felt more like it had a beginning middle and end than the other one because it's yeah. got the whole story with the phony infant terrible and why right. they call him the infant instead of infant i don't know uh but you know that whole that whole thing made it feel like that was the beginning to the story, and it brought us through. Uh, and then you know eventually we crossed with the Avengers. And what do you think about the whole thing? I mean, we we touched on it, but we didn't really go into it in at length. Uh, what do you think of the gimmick of having base for the most part the same exact story from the middle to the end? I liked it, but. The reason I liked it was it gave us an opportunity to compare and contrast the two different styles of art. 
not, you know, it didn't bother me. Like, I'm sure there are people that got bothered because of, you know, like the snow blind example that, you know, saying this is just burn being lazy. But um, for me, it was a treat to see two different artists tackle it. I think there's people out there who I'm sure said, you know, I, I paid bought two books and it cost me two dollars and fifty cents for it, and I really only got one and a half books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but but Brian, you basically you had the same artist because he did the art on this and the breakdowns on the other. So in a way, right. you've got you know for layout wise, you've got the same guy doing it. Right, uh, yeah, but well, Joe Sinat doing is the inks. Inking. Yeah, Joe yeah. Sinat's inks are are so different, and I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of Joe Sinat inking burn on Burns. Um, regular style. And what I mean by that is when Byrne did the book before um, 232, when he did the the several issues in that uh, Galactus storyline with the Sphinx and all that, he was doing the book more in the Marvel House style. And Joe Sinat, of course, was the anchor for that. And it had, you know, the the various things that you see about it. Like Reed Richards was more of a muscular, uh, very large fellow. Johnny was also very muscular uh, in those days, and the thing had a very standardized look. When Byrne took over in 232, he changed the, the Fantastic Four to make him more, you know, his style, where Reed was, you know, more of a thin, you know, absent-minded professor, and Johnny was not your muscle-bound hero. He was just, you know, uh, you know, somebody that was in decent shape. I think Joe Sinnott's role from when Kirby left until <laughs> for the rest of his career yeah. was to continue the same style to maintain that style throughout. I, I, right. I think that was his mission. And I think that was what he was told to do. Right. Uh, and, and if you see Kirby, uh, when he left the FF, you know, in, in the, whatever it was, issue one Oh six, somewhere around there. Uh, and then he went to DC, and that's when Kirby's style became much, much more stylized. And, you know, not necessarily for the better. Uh, so I think, you know, Joe Sinnott was holding this house style together probably for several years before Kirby even left. And then did it through the Rich Buckler years and the John Buscema years and the George Perez years and, you know, all, all of that that we got on the FF, he was the, the one constant. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, I, I do agree. He, he kept that house style going for the book in the early Byrne book issues before Byrne was actually taking total control of the series. And right. I did appreciate that Byrne, uh, you know, changed the models. And you know, we talked a little bit about it in the in the back to the bins portion of this uh mm-hmm. that you know not everybody has to be big and muscular right. and, and i like the fact that burn is is one of the artists in particular who who has embraced that on occasion uh so yeah i do i do like that but i just don't think it was an option in his first go round with the ff well if he was uh, i i'm agree with brian on this i'm not crazy about since it's uh inking over this it's not it's not like the art's bad, but it just looks... The parts of it you see, Byrne just shines through, although not as if somebody else... He was doing his own inks with somebody else, and parts of it look, doesn't look like Byrne at all. Part of the opening uh, this opening sequence with the alien landing, some of it doesn't look like Byrne even drew it. And if Senate was told to do it, to kind of copy the house style, then that's fine. But if 
I mean, I, I'm assuming, I don't know if Byrne had any kind of say so on how he was inking his work. So if he was told to do it as a house style or that was his choice, it still makes it look a little, it's what, what I've read from, from Byrne is that Byrne has as much reverence for Joe Sinnott as he did for Tom Palmer. And he's not going to presume to tell them how to do anything. He's going to let them, you know, basically do things their way. Well, so, but I, I would I wonder if Byrne did more light pencils. I mean, I know they're not saying he did breakdowns, but if he did lighter pencils, because I think if he did the tight pencils, like we're seeing in his Elswin stuff coming out now, I would think mm -hmm. that Senate made some drastic changes, or uh, he just did lighter lighter pencils, so that Senate had a little more hand in the way he was going to create it. Well, and that, that's the interesting thing because the credits read completely different between the two books. Here in the Fantastic Four angle, it just says John Byrne's story and art. Whereas in the other one, he is doing just breakdowns. And Kyle Baker did the finishes on the Avengers angle. Where it here says that Joe Sinnott is the guest anchor. So you'd have to assume that he probably uh, gave tighter pencils for, for most of the pages. And then went, uh, you know, just did the same thing for the pages that cross both books. Yeah, I don't know if he did. I thought it's possibly because of the, the opening story, because it, it ties so into was it FF twenty four when they saw the uh, when they first encountered the infant terrible that, and we know that Byrne has a, a real reverence for uh, Kirby and the Lee Kirby run on FF that he was kind of not paying an homage to it, but he was pulling from that to bring in this story until we find it's the scrolls. I thought maybe Senate was trying to not ape Kirby, but ape that style because it is playing with a book that's at that point, what, 20 years in the past or more. And he was trying to capture that style, especially with the alien, because the alien looks almost exactly the way it did when Kirby did it. Um, I think the homage was more just in the fact that he used that character that character, brought it out yeah. of North Poles. Which Byrne does that a lot. He'll pull a lot of times. He'll pull. He'll do like a deep dive into something. Um, how about that? How about that big scroll lady? Uh... <laughs> does she have a history before this? Because I'm not familiar with her as a character. I, I am not familiar with her either. Job of the scroll. <laughs> but I did. It was funny because on the pages where she was on there, there was some times where it did look like Byrne, but other times it looked more like Salbasima. Mm. And that, there's, that there's just... some pages early in the early ones that, that Tim was mentioning, uh, you know, in the in the initial introduction with the infant terrible and all of that, where it almost looks to me a little bit like John Buscema. Yeah, and I yeah. can see that. But, yeah. And I got to say, above and beyond everything else, the one thing I hate more than, or I should say, two things I hate more than anything in this story is the hair on Johnny and Sue. Johnny with yes. that stupid bowl cut and Sue but with the mullet. That's a, but that bowl cut on Johnny is a burn thing. That, he came up with both those. I don't. I agree. I don't like the. That. My nephew Raleigh wore that haircut for two haircut. years. Oh my god! <laughs> it's it's something that I've always kind of hit on in in life. Is if you embrace the current style too much. When one day you'll look back at pictures of yourself <laughs> and you'll regret having <laughs> embraced it that much. And I think Burn was a victim of it in his character model. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, as far as comparing the two, uh, the artwork for the two, um, and it, it also shows the difference in not just the art, but the coloring. Uh, I think it's page 37. And again, I'm going off of a digital copy, so I don't know if that... Oh, this is from the Fantastic Four Visionaries, so uh, that's not... I don't know if that's going to be the, the right page, but it's the one where you see Zabek on the screen in the armor. Um, and and he's basically yelling at him, you know, you, you know, it comes too late, human. And you get the shot of Hercules at the very top, and uh, the second panel in that has got the Fantastic Four all in there. And if you compare that to the Avengers angle and you look at the way She-Hulk is drawn in both of them, it's not, it's like either artist, either inker really doesn't have, um, a good grasp of, uh, She-Hulk's, uh, appearance. And have you been able to compare those two pages? Yeah, I'm going back and forth. Yeah. Because I, I mean, it's just one well, the color definitely... totally flipped. Like, in one, he's uh, the scrolls and color on the screen, and everybody else is washed in yellow. That's yes. in the Fantastic Four. And in the other one, he's washed in yellow, and everybody else is in color. It's very strange to flip back and forth. It and, definitely and, looks more dynamic, though, on the um, the Fantastic Four angle. The the Avengers angle, it, it seemed to come off the the coloring. It, that hurt the coloring, especially for that particular image. Yeah, She-Hulk just looks like she's a giant head of hair. She looks like Zemu or something, almost. <laughs> she's just just hair on top of the head. I mean, a massive amount of hair. Like, way too much hair. Yeah, and then the, the page where they've thrown off the hyperwave bomb, if you compare that between the two, you can see the coloring... Uh, on the the Fantastic Four has got a lot more. Uh, I mean, it, it adds more red and pink to it, basically. Oh, you mean where it goes off? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm doing there now. And you can also compare all the faces there, and you can see it looks like Kyle Baker must have erased She-Hulk's face and started over, or, or Joe Sinnott just made it a little bit bigger. But they're completely different under She-Hulk's. But, uh, you know, beyond that, again, you know, uh, I, I, I kind of followed and enjoyed the story in this one a little bit more than the Avengers one. Yeah, because I think you start at the start of a story, at least here. Mm -hmm. You're not picking up from the remnants of the story that's been going on in Avengers that you would have been kind of nice to have some backstory and, and the first part of it's used explaining to you what's been going on. Whereas this, you get right in with the mystery. Who's the alien? What's going on? Well, and the know. beauty of it is you're in five pages before you actually get any, any dialogue or anything. I mean, he's doing everything simply through the art. And that's, and, yeah. uh, that's burn burn. That's the typical. Yeah. And this could be an FF issue that he does that where he'll kind of lead off with a mystery. Uh, until you, you know, I have to wonder, the lady that uses the phone to call the police is she a uh, um, is she a um, okay. um, actually I was going to say a minion of the Mandarin with the amount of rings she has on. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that would be the second choice. 
<laughs> it could be Dee Dee Khan. Um, well, I want to know how she survived. About the hair. Even with the seatbelt, I don't know how she survived that crash. Because look how that car just crumpled. No, she had a seatbelt on. I don't care. I, think, I, I still I, think I, that I, engine block is going to be in her lap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, these... Um, these other green robots that showed up, do, do they not remind you of the ones that destroyed the Hydro base in Acts of Vengeance? Mm. Well, they're right out of the ones in the FF issue where they did the same thing. There were these green, when you hit them, they multiplied. Mm. I didn't read that one, unfortunately. Uh, I, I kind of thumbed through it to look at just to so, reference it. But... So, so Reed is the master of sc scroll hypnotism, right? I guess that's like one of his special superpowers. Either that or the scrolls are particularly weak minded to I think him. It said they're, that they're it said, very susceptible yeah. according to this is like the what the very second issue. Well, yeah, well they, I, they, they hypnotized those ones into thinking they were cows. Yes, and that, and that, that had no long term years. that had no long term effects, now did it? <laughs> <laughs> that never came back to affect anybody. Oh, so I don't know. The I think I scroll crew kill crew. I, I, no, I believe I actually covered the annual one one time we, on the we show. Co we covered it. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Where they were Where drinking the milk from. Everybody was yeah. drinking the scrawled milk. I think my son is drinking that milk. He is huge. <laughs> He's 13. What the hell? He's a scrawl. <laughs> Kill him. It's just scrawl milk. Heavy in vitamin D. Well, I thought it's that, that, sure that, that milk that is in a scroll. <laughs> hmm? I mean, could you say that definitively? <laughs> it's that milk that Mark Hamill drinks in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to throw up. Okay, one other thing to, to bring up, of course, is that Johnny was going to propose to Alicia. Now, it's a retcon, but later it's revealed that this Alicia is a scroll, And she was one basically from the time the Fantastic Four got back from the original Secret Wars. It so, was in that issue of the Fantastic Four when they came back with She-Hulk that apparently somewhere there between the pages, she was attacked and replaced. So, so, so according to this, she should be locked in her Alicia form. Right. And somehow later on, she regains her her powers. Well, so that they all did after the the events in the Silver Surfer. Yeah, but they had they they gained it by having to touch the new leader. Sybil or somebody, they they touched her somehow. That so how did that? Did Alicia in her Alicia disguise somehow leave leave Earth? And that's a good question. I do not know. I didn't. You know, the fact fact of the matter is, is, I didn't read the Fantastic Four at that point. I mean, you know, I've read the cliff notes here and there about what happened, and I was just like, they just stole this storyline from Legion of Superheroes because they did the same thing with Colossal Boy. And uh, Shrinking Violet had been replaced with a Durlin. Hmm. And that was about five years before this. Well, I just hope somebody took that poor lamp scroll and got him uh, <laughs> fixed. So, so he had to spend the rest of his life as a lamp. Now, now uh, the, oh. the other thing I noticed is that when they call the Avengers Mansion and they show Jarvis, his head is slanted. Is that just me? Hmm. That's on the same page where Johnny is going to try and propose to Alicia. And it looks like he's kind of looking off in the distance like he's thinking while he's talking to him. But... It's just his head looks funny to me. Maybe it's just my printing. Well, I want to ask why... Yeah, no, it, it is a little off. 
it, I'm looking at it now, and it, it, he looks a little weird in that shot, actually, just on on a whole. And if you go to the next page, I swear that waiter with the ridiculously large bow tie is Roger Stern. That could be. <laughs> and that is a silly, silly, silly bow tie. Well, that makes up for Johnny's stupid hair. And purple outfit with the shoulder pads? $300, though. Okay. Now, yeah, why did they not have stable molecules? When did they decide to change that Alicia was a scroll? Oh, uh, that was a hundred years later. Did the Engelhart run after Burn after... Was he the one that did that in the 300s? Because if, I think is when because they, were, they could have really yeah. planted it here oh. when when the hyperwave bomb goes off, they could have just shown like somebody obviously it. on 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 Earth, and just from the back you can't tell really who it is in that negative like somebody walking down the street on on, on the Earth that people like turn and look and see this person going in this black and white negative for a second, but you don't really see who it is and that could have been a hint but, that that was. That was her. Yeah, and Burn was never. Yeah, Burn was yeah. never a part of that storyline. Oh, what it said okay. here in the notes when I when I pulled this up is it said that uh, this is not really Alicia Masters, but a scroll spy named Lija, as revealed in Fantastic Four three fifty eight. She secretly replaced Alicia during the events of Fantastic Four two sixty five. That's a long run. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that being said. Um, I, 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 like I said earlier, I enjoyed the Fantastic Four issue uh, a bit more than I did the Avengers one, but I like the art in the Avengers one more than I did the uh, Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I like Kyle Baker's inks on it. I, uh, I think I'm kind of the same. Well, opposite. I, I, I enjoyed reading the the Avengers more because this, to you know, to Paul's point, it does seem like it's got a beginning. It does. This starts off. It's got a beginning. And it's going to kind of go middle, then it kind of lead on to the rest of it. But it feels like it's a it, you're going up. It's a long way to get to just them to get on the scroll first scroll ship, where the 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 queen scroll, whoever she is, uh, just you know launches her convoluted plan, to, you know, to destroy them. I thought that was awfully. Uh, are, are you saying it's a long road getting from there to here? It's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, where you get to part two, which is where kind of where it starts, you know, where, where you know, part two, hard darkness, are actually going to the uh, the satellite. So it felt like that was almost an issue, and then when they're going to the satellite, it's another issue. So it, even though it feels like it does have a beginning, I felt like, well, that's a it's, it's a long preface to get them to just where we get them into action and into play, so they get to where to their meetup with the uh, the Avengers. So. Um, as much as it feels like a complete story, I, I think I enjoyed reading more uh, on the Avengers side. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. I, I I enjoyed this one more. I felt like this one had a better hook to pull me in so that I was comfortable reading it by the time they got to the crossover. Whereas the Avengers one just kind of felt I, I don't I, I'm trying to think of the right word to describe it. It was almost more of an uncomfortable read. It never felt it never seemed to flow right to me. So I actually like this one better. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I know we don't normally do that, but do you guys want to go ahead and grade it? 
Sure. Sure. Yeah. Your show. You guys okay. go first. Tim? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to give the cover a B plus because I think it's more dynamic than the Avengers cover. Uh, you, you get to see the, the Fantastic Four more uh, in the forefront, and you get to be a little clearer in Avengers. It just seems this would make me more likely to pick it up than the Avengers book. Um, Given my inside art uh, a B, because even though it's not, as I was reading it, I kind of wanted to more, I wanted more classic burn to kind of come through, and it felt like Senate Saints were kind of preventing that. So I kept just being, not pulled out, but it was like, you know, I wish this was, I wish, I just kept thinking, I wish this was being inked by either Burn or somebody that was, you know, more. Uh, ho holding closer to his style at the time. And I'm going to give the story uh, a C because I wasn't, uh, even though it, it, it flows a little better, like you said, Paul, I just it, it felt like just a, a long way to get to where we needed to be to get them where the Avengers were. And I, I wish it kind of, maybe that had been its own FF story instead of putting this annual. So I guess I'm overall... I don't know. That's a B, B minus B, but same as the Avengers, maybe a little higher. Yeah, yeah I was a little different. I uh, on the cover, I gave it a C. Um, I definitely like the Avengers one uh, a bit more. Um, this one just it, it 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 obviously I couldn't, you know, you you couldn't tell by first glance those are the scrolls. You really had to look hard to to see that. And beyond that, you, you had a, I, I had a hard time telling what was going on other than a She-Hulk breaking through the wall to a fight. Um, the story, of, well, the art, overall art, um, I gave it a B minus. Uh, while I like the, the Kyle Baker inks on it in the uh, Avengers one, I did like the coloring in this one better. But, uh, and, and just, you know, Joe Sinatink's on Bernard just doesn't really do it for me. But still, it gets a B minus because... Um, you know, Burns art like this is still better than, you know, great root canal. <laughs> uh, and the story, I gave it overall a B. Um, just uh, the story was a, a little bit more um, engaging than the Avengers annual one. So overall, it, again, it gives it a B minus. Both books I wound up with a B minus on. So. All right. You want to go with me, Bill? I'll go. Um, so the cover, I will give the cover, I like this cover a little bit more than the other one. I think I gave that other one a B. I'll give this one a B plus. Um, it's, uh, maybe I just, maybe I got a thing for Joe Sinnott. Um, and I really like the interior art on this. I don't really have any major qualms with it. And again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm more of a Joe Sinnott mark than I realize. I mean, I still see a lot of burn in here, um, and it's enough to wet my burn whistle. That's not creepy. Um, so I'm going to give the art a B plus, and the story. Um, and I, and after I give the grade for the book and story, I want to make other one quick note. So I enjoyed the story because I felt, like we said earlier, that it had a beginning, a middle, and an end, even though the ending is the same as the other book. Um, so um, I am going to give the story, I think I give the other one a B. I'll give this one a B plus 
So I think overall I'm look B plus edging into possibly an A minus book. But that being said, one of the things you said early on, Paul, was like, you know, if you bought 250 and you got the same story at the end of the book, you might feel you're cheated. No, no, no. Nay, nay. If you want to feel cheated, go read that Jonathan Hickman House of X um, <laughs> stuff. That'll make you mad. I don't know. Certainly if, made you mad. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever heard my rant on that. About that did you guys i don't i don't house recall of, red house of, i don't know maybe we didn't even put that out to print because i was so pissed off that that house of x powers of x or whatever oh is this where, where, did they play like uh hulk out music in the background when you're going over that like might have like been you used to do for scott uh, I, I, probably I don't recall been. hearing it <laughs> Is this a current book, Bill? I don't remember. It's last year, isn't it? I, it, oh, okay. it I was out last year. It was touted as the new beginning for the X-Men and all this. And I read them and it, I was doing okay with it. And then like the last, it was like either the next to last or the last book. All they did was rehash all the art from the previous like multiple, like four or five issues. It, panel and all. Wow. There was like maybe two. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm a exaggerating, but it was pages upon pages of the same art, and they would change like one word to change the meaning of the entire page. And I was like, I paid effing four ninety nine or five ninety nine, however those damn books were, for this. For you to think you're so smart because you changed. Like, you ripped me to F off, is what you guys did. This is oh, Now, man. I don't feel like that in this book in any way. Because at least it was redrawn slightly. And it was re it was inked by a different person. So it, and some of the scenes were changed. Some of the, you know, the art shots were changed. Not many. But I, it was not a verbatim panel for panel complete reprint changing one or two lines i was just oh man that just so no i got no problem with this at all <laughs> so the just, logic it, it, is it, 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 the logic like is flashback, yes you ripped me off but not as badly as this other one so i don't mind <laughs> don't no, mince words even... bill tell us how you really feel <laughs> you guys don't want to know how i feel <laughs> you guys can't handle how i feel well you, you know the thing is is that when Snowblind came out that alpha flight issue there was a lot of press around it and mm. still today you can do searches and and see the rants by various people on the web about it you do a search for for these angles you don't hear a peep about that but that was the assistant editor's month too i mean it's like you know you're gonna get something what were the, what were the books when Snowblind came out 50 cents <sighs> Snowblind came out a year and a half before this Dollar, so, dollar, dollar twenty-five. We were no. Well, no, yeah, this is a dollar and a quarter for an annual. So it's seventy-five yeah, cents, I think, for Snowblind. Maybe I'm going to look up but, that cover right but, now. But Just my, give my me point one is, Snowblind came out. That was when books were more affordable. That you, you know, to buy so, them in general. Now you can take a chance on buying sixty cents, three, four dollars for a book. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's a different matter. It was sixty anyway, cents, though. But yeah. yeah. So rating this one, I like this cover. A little bit more than I like the Avengers one, and I think it's because the heroes are more prominent in this one than they were in the other one. Even though 
the Avengers were kind of prominent in the other one, the Fantastic Four were not. This one seems to be a little bit more even-handed as far as showing both teams. And, you know, as we speculated, maybe there was a, 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 you know, a little bit of a mandate from management to say, hey, you know, level this off a little bit more. Uh, I don't know, but I do find this one much more compelling that, again, if I was not a collector of either book and I saw this sitting on the, uh, the you know, on the piles in, in a uh, comic store, this is one that the one that I'd be more likely to pick up. So I'm going to say a solid B on the cover. Uh, the interior art, I think I'm not as bothered by Joe Sinnott as, as you guys. In fact, I'm not bothered at all. I like Joe Sinnott a lot. Uh, and... I think there's a reason that he was carrying that house style through for years. And I'm one of the people who I guess was a target of that because I, I enjoy that particular style. And I think the art in this book is, is, is just fine. I think burn inked by Sinnott. Yes. The burn style doesn't come through as much. Uh, and from what you were saying earlier, I guess burn doesn't even mind that so much because he has such respect or, or reverence for Sinnott. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to say a solid B on the artwork as well. And I thought this story was superior to the other one because I think, uh, again, it, it, it had more of a hook to pull me in in the first place. I felt more comfortable reading it and following along with the narrative. Uh, it didn't feel as jumbled as the other one did. It didn't feel as forced as the other one did, in, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm going to say a B- minus on the writing on this one. And overall, I'm going to give the book a B. Hmm. I mean, you know, saying that, it makes me wonder if maybe Byrne was the driving force on this and, you know, Stern came along for the ride and he just had to fill in the... It was kind of like a comic book ad lib, mad lib, to get from, from there to the point where the story is mesh. And that's why Stern's story doesn't feel as organic as Byrne's. That, that would actually make a lot of sense if that was the case. If he says, okay... I have X number of pages, I don't even remember, until we get to the point where we're crossing over. And I have to fill that in with something that's going to pick up and make sense for these characters to be here at this time. Uh, and it, it's a little bit less organic. Well, I think the thing I do like is even after they meet up in the crossover, you know, it's not a one for one on the pages. There are pages in the Fantastic Four that are not in the Avengers angle, and there's pages in the Avengers angle that aren't in the Fantastic Four. It's and the last different perspectives, right? And of course, the last page is uh, completely different between the two because you're going you know, the various ways with the various teams. Right. So I mean, it's yeah, not a complete you know rip off there. It's just you know several I, pages of intersection. I, yeah. I think it might have been more, at least for for me, it might have been more successful if this was more of a like a Back to the Future 2, where you're seeing the same story, but from different angles. This is really not that. It's more, it's two two stories that come together, and then from then on, it's the same. It's almost exactly the same. If you had got more of it, you're cutting back and forth, so that, I mean, I, I know these are probably kind of both happening parallel, but I would want yes. to see more, I would want to see more of the Avengers stuff, maybe from, I don't know how they would do it, but I would, I, I, I want them to be more intertwined. I could see it now in the in the Marvel offices. John Byrne walking by uh, Roger Stern's office, going, "Hey, you got your Avengers in my Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> and Roger Stern, you got your Fantastic Four in my well, Avengers. Well, hey. Byrne does, and I think this goes to what to Paul's point that, that Byrne does treat this more like an annual than it's a standalone. 
and right. Stern seems to be picking up from his Avengers run and just carrying it into his annual instead of just this is a standalone story that you could read this and it wouldn't interrupt anything. If you're reading an FF, you didn't read this, you wouldn't miss anything. Just uh, you know, working off of your Back to the Future 2 analogy, uh, there was an issue of Deadpool, and I think we covered it on our Back to the Bins Deadpool score episode, uh, where he Deadpool has to actually go back in time and it mirrors the events from Spider-Man... 46 and it it actually has him almost like marty mcfly going back uh and trying to be in the background and it, it recreates the story from that spider-man issue but now you've added deadpool into it right uh and and it's kind of kind of amusing from that perspective if if you're looking for a book along those lines check that out Yeah, and I did find one other note here in the Marvel Wiki um, in, in regards to the whole Alicia-Elijah thing. It says, the hyperwave bomb explosion affected all scrolls by trapping them in whatever form they were when the bomb went off, as seen in Silver Surfer Volume 3, Number 6. Prince Dazan only returned to his true form because he willed himself to do so just as the bombardment began. The scrolls began slowly restoring their shape-shifting abilities following the events of Silver Surfer Volume 3, Number 27. This also goes to explain how Elijah wasn't exposed as a scroll either. It's interesting to note that the scrolls regain their shape-shifting powers in that Silver Surfer Volume 3, Number 27 by being physically touched by their then-Empress Sybil. How other scrolls managed to regain these abilities outside of this physical contact is never really explained. So, I, I mean, again, you, you, you raised the question. They didn't answer it. <laughs> well, I guess she had to make the rounds and go visit every scroll and touch them. It's scroll magic. <laughs> well, maybe it was more like because she touched that scroll and then that scroll could touch two more scrolls and it spread like that. Oh, and you tell two friends so and you tell two friends. <laughs> exactly. And so on and so on and so on. That could right. easily read as, as wearing off, you know. That's how it normally read kind of. It's just wore off, you know. Mm. We uh, well, we have any final uh, thoughts or feelings or rants on this uh, annual? Mm -hmm. My oh, final it... thought is, Tim, you picked this this two episodes, and I think, or these two issues to cover, and I think uh, it was a pretty good choice. Oh, so I'll throw you. that out. Yeah, thank you. There, there was one little note that there that was that was kind kind of funny. What was it? They were talking about the Fantastic Four. It was like, you know, we've been staying in the Avengers Mansion and we never run into them, and now we're halfway across the galaxy and we run into them. It's like a Deadpool where he keeps going to the X Mansion. He goes, "How come I never see any other X Men except you, Colossus?" <laughs> yeah, that's right. and they're hiding in the other room. Yeah, yeah. They, it's an in the blah, blah, blah. yeah that's thing at the end the epilogue this is amazing isn't it Reed we've been living in the mansion Avengers Bat Mansion and haven't really seen more than glimpses of now we travel halfway across the galaxy and there they are <laughs> yep. it happens what does that say about the FF that's they get cool. around <laughs> <laughs> so and, let me ask you guys have you been looking at John Byrne's X Men elsewhere? No, I, I haven't. It's not on my radar. Is that 
Is that just something he's putting out, or is that something that Marvel's putting out? No, he's putting out himself on his website. It's <laughs> fan fiction, and it, he's right now got issue 17 going out. Um, what he basically did was he picked up at the end of the Dark Phoenix saga, but he played it from the uh, the Phoenix the Untold storybook. I don't, I don't know if you ever saw yep. that, but that was basically yep. what they originally intended to do. And so he's picked the story up from there, and he's already done a whole Phoenix storyline, and he's done a Sentinel storyline, and uh, just you know, interesting things are going on, and he's doing it much in the style that he did back then. So, uh, it, it, and as he's been doing it, his pencils have been getting tighter and tighter. It's not inked; he's just doing pencils. But it's nice, um, nice pencils. I mean, they're really tight. Yes, and uh, I mean it's free to everybody. You just go out to his website, burnrobotics.com, okay. and it's in the form under fan fiction. But a lot of people have collected all of them into PDFs, and uh, you know they saved them locally like that, so they can read them at their leisure or put them on their tablets. And if you ask real nicely, I'll make it available to you. Yeah, we've got them, <laughs> we've got them up to sixteen. We've covered up through sixteen, have we, Brian? Or up to yes. fifteen? Fifteen. I have. I have them on my tablet. Thank you, Brian. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've read some of it, and I find it to be very just a fun read so far. Mm -hmm. It's like being a kid again, almost for me. I mean, because I started reading them when I was in my teens, and uh, just yeah, he's he's captured something really cool. I really like him how he's portraying Kitty Pride, because in the, the Claremont books, they made her out to be a genius on the level of Reed Richards, and Burns writing her like a teenager. Just, you know, not, nothing special. Just a, a, a teenager that's a little smart, but not, you know, Tony Stark or Reed Richards smart. So uh, a lot of fun. And uh, again, he's going to be putting out, putting this out for a little while, as long as it, it gets his attention. Uh, I mean, as long as it keeps his attention, he's going to stay with it. He's talked about if he decided, if he ever ran out of things to say with the X-Men, that he would like to go and go back to his commissions that he's done over the years and maybe create the stories that go around those. So that would be like the cover to the issue. And then you'd read the issue and to see how that happened. Yeah. But uh, we've, he has, we've covered all of them up, I think, up to 15. So if you don't want to read them, yeah, you can listen to us. Four, talking about four or five episodes, uh, I think, covering all of them. And we'll continue. Yeah. As, he, as he puts them out, we can kind of do two at a time. So yeah, I know he's been on hiatus because he's had some um, he had some heart problems. Nothing serious, but yeah. Well, yesterday was scary because uh, you know he said he was uh, going to the doctor or a day before yesterday he was going to the doctor and and all this, and then we didn't hear anything for the rest of the day. And he usually posts the new page by about eleven a.m. and nothing. And then there were no posts on his website the entire day from him. To the point where people on were posting, hey, you okay? And nothing. And then the next day, he just posted, he goes, ah, now, real real world intruded. And, uh, you know, he posted the page from the day before and then the the next one. But uh, it, 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 the, the John Byrne forums that there are, and there's like four or five of them on Facebook, the various Facebook groups uh, in his name, all of them were like, was like, what's happened? Where's he going? Where's the new page? What's wrong? Is he okay? His heart stopped? Did he die? If 
So, uh, well, nowadays, who knows? Everybody's getting older. Yep, yep. Well, he's 70. Um, but wow, yep. I didn't realize he's that old. Yeah. Well, what, that was interesting that we, since we talked about Senate here, that he he died this year, didn't he? He died in July. Yeah. He passed. Mm-hmm. And I think he was working up until almost the year before he passed. He was. And he was, what, 93, wasn't he? Yeah. I think he was inking stuff in 2019. So he was. They said it, you know, his, his family said he was always penciling. So he was working up until the end. So I, that was great. I don't know if you guys saw it, but Jeremy Bullock passed away. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You know, that's got to be a bummer for him, because I, I wonder if he got to see what they've been doing with uh, Fett on Mandalorian. I wonder if he would be disappointed, saying, why didn't they give me a chance to to portray the character <laughs> like that? Well, that was all up to George. He never understood the love for Bubba Fett. I, I'll be honest. I never understood it uh, because he was in he was in the, the movie. Such a he has such small screen presence that he doesn't really do anything other than. I, I think it was more anticipation because yeah. they mm-hmm. kind of, they kind of teased the character first and made everybody think he was going to be a badass, and then everybody wanted him to be a badass. So he became very con- you know very much in the public consciousness, uh, and the fact that he was portrayed in a disappointing manner didn't eliminate that uh that fantasy that people had of him being so much yeah. cooler than he was because he was made out to be a chump <laughs> certainly in return of the jedi he was yeah yeah boba fett where what <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> have you been Bill watching the Mandal- yeah have you been watching the mandalorian yeah my son and i just caught up with it because he was uh, two episodes behind so we just watched the the latest two I got to see uh, a certain little person throwing stormtroopers around. <laughs> well, he's yeah. got a he got, he got sleep. He's got a name now, right? Then they finally Yeah. Gave him. Yeah. The kid, the child. The kid, mm-hmm. yeah. Grogu. Yeah. Not sure about that name. My kids really have think... always called him Steve. Steve. That's what they called him. <laughs> they just called him Steve. Look, it's baby Steve. Yeah. Uh, just don't call him Baby Yoda because apparently uh, uh, Favreau will just go off on you if you call him Baby Yoda. Well, the the I mean their name for him it, it was always the child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I think that we've beat the dead horse and we've gone past it. So uh, why don't we go ahead and close up and say goodbye for the night? All right, you gonna take us out, Brian? Right. I'm gonna just say thank you for having us on before oh. you take us out. Okay. Oh, it was our pleasure. We we look forward to doing it, and and we'll do it again sometime soon. In fact, I know that we will. (laughs) We already have plans in place. Anybody listening? That's our tease. Plans with a plan. And if uh, it hasn't come out yet, sometime soon, uh, I join Paul on an episode of Visit Jaws uh, along with my wife. It'll be very um, soon, actually. Yeah, and I won't say what we're covering, but it uh, it's got teeth. So uh, (laughs) anyway. Not Jaws, no. Anyway. Jaws, not uh, that vagina movie, is it? Oh, sorry. No. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Third Degree Burn. Please provide us feedback. You can uh, reach us at our email at gottagetburned at gmail.com. You can also, of course, uh, provide us a review on I, uh, Apple Podcasts. Excuse me, I keep, I keep wanting to say iTunes. 
or you can reach us on our Facebook page. And uh, soon as we get the, the new website going, uh, we'll have our very own forum. So keep an eye out for that. I don't know when that's going to happen, but we're looking forward to it. Provide the feedback, and we'll be back very soon with another episode of Third Degree Burn. Uh, I'm Brian Hughes. That's Tim Elliott. You also have Paul Spataro and Dr. Bill Robinson from Back to the Bins. We'd like to say thank you. Everybody have a nice evening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Adios. I've never faced a threat like this. The Skrulls. Accessing origin. We don't know much about the Skrulls or where they came from. The only thing we can be sure of is they're already here. Accessing powers. The Skrulls are a species of shape-shifting aliens. They can take on the appearance of anyone. <gasps> Everyone has been compromised. The infiltration has begun. Immediate global threat. Look out, Avengers. Fury, out. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn